And some of you have seen uh, the booklet that we have that's called, um, what is it called? The Heart Comes Home. And we've uh, offered them to you to just go through. It's from the Gospel of John. Um, and it's, it's an unusual Christmas theme in the sense that John doesn't, uh, we were talking about this on Wednesday, John doesn't actually have much about Christmas in his Gospel. He wrote it as an older man and he knew that Matthew, Mark and Luke already existed and that they had already written about the birth of Jesus. And so John as an older man was much more interested in writing about the meaning of Jesus. And so he says, in the beginning the word became flesh and the, tw- and the word dwelt upon, uh, uh, among us and uh, he was the light of the world. And, and John is like this artist who's creating this picture of the meaning of the coming of Jesus and his life. So in a sense, the whole of John's Gospel is about what does it look like for light to be in the world. And uh, I want to just reflect this morning really, really simply because I think from, for so many, Jesus and God is just sort of sp- spurts of maybe encouragement and long, long journeys of discouragement or kind of disillusionment. And and sort of faking it till you make it, um, and or naming it to claim it, or claiming it to name it, or whatever it's called. And it's always something. And if I can get this formula right, then maybe God will do something. You know, this this I've got to rationalise this wall. This wall is a testimony to a journey of you try something, and if it doesn't work, you just do it again. And Laura is crazy. And so she says she's going for her second year and she just bolts out of town, you know. And you go, so what's that about? Well, I felt it. I'm not mocking her, actually. I'm sort of just saying. So she goes for it. And, and, you know, years ago I would say, but you need to know that God's actually opened this door. Some years ago it was, well, God gives you a green light until he gives you a red light. Don't stop. Because there's so many of us who are waiting for God's direction. And he said, go. Well, where do I go? He says, I didn't create you to be paranoid. Go. But where do you want me to go, Lord? Where would you like to go? Where do you want me to go? I don't want to make a mistake. And he goes, I'm not a control freak. There's a big world. And I've put my spirit in you. Take a step and see what happens. Well, Laura, you're going down there and you don't have a place to stay. You don't have enough money. It's highly irresponsible. And you're just twisting God's hand. You're playing backmail because you're going to get him. You're going to go down there and you're going to say, now what are you going to do because I'm here? And, and God might say, you know, I'm thrilled that you actually push the limits. I'm thrilled that you take me at your word. I'm thrilled that you press in and press out even in a foolhardy way. It makes no sense. And I will actually respond to that. And you go, well, well, Lord, why don't you just, why didn't you do it before she left so she could have peace of mind? I said, well, you can have peace of mind when you go. You mean peace of mind means you know how it's all going to work out and you're going to have enough money in the bank and then you can go because then you have peace of mind? I thought you trusted me. When you take your children on a journey, you don't give them all the money and the financial reports and the plans. You just say, get in the car. If you who are like little children can trust You see, God is calling us into relationship of trust and journeys of trust where we don't know how it's going to work out necessarily. And so very often we actually hang back because we're waiting for the full revelation of everything. I've always felt very sorry for Moses because he led these people out of Egypt and he did a great job. 
grief, that sounds like Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm not going there. I got slack last. I mean, you know. Anyway, but the God didn't say to Moses, when you get out beyond here, that they're going to come after you and you're going to see the dust of your enemy coming back to take hold of you again. And in front of you is going to be the Red Sea. You're going to be between the devil and the deep blue sea, pretty literally. And God doesn't give Moses a word of knowledge about that until he is ankle deep in the Red Sea going, oh my. And I don't know why, I think that's quite cruel actually. But anyway, God, he strikes the thing and then it opens up. And, and God seems to do that a lot where he goes just in time. And I, and I really think probably all of us are way behind what God has for us because we're t- we just hedge our bets and play everything close to the chest and we don't take any risks, either alone or together. And so how does God work? I mean, look at this thing. This is an easy illustration. This light's not working. This is John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. What's it created for? This light is useless without what? I guarantee you, probably 99% of us are living semi-powerless lives because we're not plugged in. We get offended. And Jesus is, 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 he came into this world... Uh, to, sh- to say, I have come that you might have life and I've come that you might actually be restored into what you were created to be before uh, sin and rebellion broke the power supply. So when Jesus went to the cross, he took everything that we have ever done and will do that causes us to be unplugged. Every rebellion, every doubt, everything that we struggle with, he took on the cross. And God said, I have done it. In other words, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that you could bring up, dream up, cough up that would shock God. He was like, oh, that sin that you have, that problem you have, I, I, even Jesus on the cross couldn't deal with it. There is nothing in your life, in your past, in your present, in your future that God cannot heal, that God cannot break. There is nothing. And if you were like me, you would sit there and say, yeah, that's right. I remember Graham Cook saying when he rebelled against God, you know, God just blessed him more and more and more and he just couldn't keep away from God's love because his love was so powerful and his provision so great. And I went up to him afterwards and said, nice for you. My experience is exactly the opposite. God didn't seem to care. He seemed to walk by on the other side. Nobody seemed to care and I had a pity party for seven years. It's, I, I love your testimony, but it sucks to be me. So he gently held my hand and prayed for the days of Job to be over. There's mystery in this journey. There's mystery in the journey. But God sent his son so that he could say, this is what I'm like. This is who I am. I'm personal and I'm real. And so this this commentary that we have, that we're following, interestingly turns to John 15, And he talks about uh, the Father's love. God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And he came into this world. And in the midst of this world, his Son revealed the identity and nature of God. And often 
in our society and in the way we operate, we continually are projecting onto God what we think he is or who we think he is or how he operates. If we do that, we end up diminishing God and we just bring him down into our own image. We have to learn how has God revealed himself, where has he revealed himself, and what does that look like. That is why this Bible is so important. We need to educate ourselves as to the nature of God. God is good and he's kind. That's not just a slogan. That's actually what Jesus revealed. And so you begin to start journeying with God when you begin to realize he loves you more than you love your children. You begin to start trusting him when you start testing him with parts of your life and you start giving him control of something. You take it back and then you give it and you test it. Because everything about God and everything about relationship with God is worked out within community. It feels like I'm sort of smashing this symbol all the time saying community because so many people isolate. So many people, I mean coming to church on a Sunday is not community. It's sharing the invitation to community, but community is journeying together throughout the week. And I'm not talking about claustrophobically. I'm just talking about learning to build relationships that have substance, where we can grow in our following of Jesus and our, our struggles about following Jesus together. So if you're struggling with something about believing God because nothing seems to be working, going and have coffee with Laura or somebody else who's been there and has just been through that is very encouraging. And saying, well, what do you mean? How was it for you? And, and learning from one another how to journey together in the real world. What we tend to do is try and journey together so that every time we're doing well, we suddenly appear in community. When everything goes bad, we disappear again. We isolate. It doesn't work. Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says some... Because there's lots of stuff about love in the world, you might have noticed. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. God is a gardener. What does a gardener do? Let's keep, this is going to be really, really simple. What does a gardener do? A gardener tills the soil, a gardener digs the weeds, a gardener prunes in order for growth to happen. How many of us are spending our time in worship, maybe, or in prayer, maybe, asking God to do things. We're travailing, it's a good word. Or we're fasting, or we're begging and pleading and contending and declaring. All of those things are good things to a point. But eventually, God's love is revealed in an action. Eventually, God's love is revealed in doing something. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. And then what does he say? He cuts off every branch in me. In me, this is Jesus that bears no fruit. So there's some things that grow into Jesus that aren't that productive. And you go, how can Jesus have fruitless branches? He's a human being. He's a man. So there are areas where he gets cut. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Really, essentially, what he's saying is that unless you stay plugged into me, you can't know the power that will enable you to do the things that I call you to do, period. And when you don't have power and when you're not producing fruit, 
And you know when you're not producing fruit because fruit in the spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, those are just five of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness are, are the things that everybody wants, asks Santa for, or wants from drugs, or from work, or from sex, or from something. But those are the bottom line things that every human being craves. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You will find them somewhere, and you will chase them somehow. And when the plug's pulled out, then you try to do everything because it's your body that is craving it now, and your body will get it if your spirit doesn't. Because if your spirit is dying, then your body will be the way that you try and access those things. That's how it works. And Jesus came to say, if you try and satisfy the longing of your spirit through your body, you will be forever addicted. You will be ever unsatisfied. You will be ever thirsty. You will be ever hungry. You will ever be chasing after the next thing to create fullness in a vacuum that will never be met because it's not met in the right way. And so God so loved the world that he sent his son to say, we have to actually walk among them and speak to them and show them what it is like to be fully human because it is unbelievable to them right now. And when Jesus came into the world, the light came into the world and the human being lived with a a source and a supply that he was going to make available to everyone. Can you tell when the light's on or not? How difficult is that? Do you know when the light's on in you or when it's not in you? No, there is light. There's deep light. It it really is deep inside. It's, it's, It's shining. You just can't see it. Now, if I said that to you, no, the light is working. Please take it home. And, and, and you know, it is shining. It's just, it's, 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 it's relative, you know. It's shining for me. You see, I think we get really complicated when it's really simple. It's shining or it's not shining. And one of the things we need to learn is, is, is we, we, we say we struggle to hear God. God's speaking all the time. And he's saying to that light, you're not shining. wonder why. There are attitudes in me that are getting in the way and it's causing the power to be struck down, to be shut off. So start listening to what's going on inside you and you will hear God. Stop justifying darkness or powerlessness and start hungering for the light. The light is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, irrespective of your circumstance. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How many of us here, I'm going to be just be blunt. How many of us here, you know, we're stressed out right now. It's Christmas. We're so busy. Stop it. There's no reason for you to be stressed out. There's no reason for you to be so busy that you're exhausted. You're stressed out and busy because of your priorities and because of how you spend your time. I'm not speaking accusingly. I'm only just saying. If you want spiritual life, then start learning how to walk with the pace of God. Because Jesus said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. We are busy because I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything to keep everybody in the world happy. How's that working? It's exhausting. It sounds noble exhausting so everybody should go to Tisha's Bible study on boundaries 
The trouble is some of our boundaries are saying no to the things that God is calling us to do. That's why relationship with Jesus is so important. And he says here, the bottom line is, he says, look, the way that your light shines most convincingly is what? Love one another. Well, I don't like them. I didn't tell you to like them. I told you to love them. Well, it's hard to like them if I don't love them or love them if I don't like them. Well, I didn't particularly like you, but I went to the cross for you. And when I, when I, when I went to the cross, you weren't very attractive. In fact, you were ugly. You resembled nothing like what my father created you to be. You were self-centered, opinionated. Yeah, more than now. And I wouldn't have died for you if I'd liked you. And I wouldn't have poured out my spirit and I wouldn't have called you to myself because I liked you because the way you treated me and the way you behaved to me was so rude and obnoxious and insulting. I mean, when you spoke, you used my name time and time again. You thought that the whole of life was about serving your needs and when you didn't have your needs met, you swore at me and said, God Almighty, what's going on here? And I was so often wanted to smack you but I loved you. So I withheld my anger because you deserved my wrath. Because you behaved as if you were God and you were so small and so insignificant. But my, the Father and I and the Holy Spirit said, that's worth it. So I loved you. And I didn't like you. What you had become. But when you began to get a sense of my love for you, something began to change. And something in you began to grow that you didn't even know was there. And our, rest, uh, and our relationship began to be restored. And you began to grow into something beautiful that you were created to be, but you'd lost touch of. And the principle is, if you do not abide in my love, you cannot do what I call you to do. And I don't call you to actually do anything. I just call you to be my friend. But when you are my friend, you will act on my behalf and you will love others and you will share my love with others just because it's what I do. When I am in you, I don't just look in the mirror and look at me. I look at those around me and say, who are they? I look at those around me and say, how can I serve them? I look at those around me and say, how can I be there for them? Take a note in your own spirit right now. How many people are you irritated with? How many people are you angry with? How many people are you not talking to? Take an inventory. It's not judgment. I don't care what your answer is. But I'll give you a clue. And, and you, you're asking God to work and he says, I can't, there's so much garbage in front of your door, I can't get through. Let these people go. Forgive them. But you don't understand. I do understand. Forgive them. Well, I don't feel like forgiving them because they hurt me. You remember the story about like and love? Let's talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is, neither a f forgiveness is not a feeling either. It's an action. When love is poured out by my spirit, forgiveness flows because that's what it does. So I choose to forgive you irrespective of whether I get your forgiveness back. So I begin to walk in love, which looks like something. Does it make sense? You see, this is not a way in the manger. It's, it's actually, we are the manger. 
is there room in my heart for Jesus to grow more? Because he's outgrown where we were last year. He's not the baby Jesus. He doesn't want to be rocked to sleep by you. He's wide awake in heaven. And he's come that we might have life. Now, I'm setting all this up for how does this work? He really says it really simply. Um, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That's it. So I could do a violent uh, illustration here. I could take this poinsettia, which is meant to have the flowers are like a cross, and say this is what Jesus has called us to be. It's not a vine, it's a poinsettia, but it doesn't matter. And I could say, well, this leaf says, I don't want to be part of that. Jesus set me free. I have no need of this. How many of you have got Christmas trees? I mean live ones, not fake ones. How long are they going to live? Maybe 30 days? But they're dying anyway, aren't they? As soon as you cut them and separate them from their root, they die. And I could pull every part of this off, but it's going to make a mess and it's deconstructed and say that's what most Christians look like both individually and corporately. Um, I don't, I don't want to be here. I want to be here. Or I want to be red. I don't want to be green. Or I could keep pulling this out of this container. Jesus was, is not complicated. He's kind of saying we are interdependent. We need each other. We need each other and God has placed us where we can actually grow. Let me, let me try and put this in another way. Um, believe me, this is not complicated. Uh, we, you know, if it was complicated, we can hide behind theology. What's this? What? Do you, uh, what? I always get in trouble here because I say it's a pot and then they say that's you know, weed and you're smoking it and all the rest of it. So I get very confused as to what its political correct name is. Okay. What's this thing for? Sorry? To plant, to put plants in, right? Now, this is you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit or you're just a pot. You're a jar of clay. You are to contain something. You can contain all kinds of things, but God created you for something better. What, 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 what's, what's this? Seeds, yes. And what seeds are they? Couldn't see that. So let me get the seeds out of here. Okay, these are seeds. Wow, they're not very generous. <laughs> I need uh, four people to come up here, please. Come on, I, I'll call you up if you want. I'll embarrass you. Thank you. I just want you to, th- there's one, just pass them around. Give everybody a seed. And when you, w- just pass the bowl around. No, 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 pass the bowl. That's meant to be in it so they can see what it is. Okay. Just let them, let it go. Just let them, like you're taking an offering, just pass it down the row. Can you, take one each time? you can each take one and, and leave that in there so you see what it is. This is meant to be quick. 
Okay, now you hold on to that scene. But it's so small. I know. Let me show you how God works. While you while you're getting this, what 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 helps here? Have I lost it? Have I lost a bag? How many has gone? Three. It's meant to be four. Did I give somebody an extra bag? No, is it open? <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I don't know what happened to the other one. There's meant to be four bags. So you've got a seed in your hand. This is going to take longer than I was anticipating, but that's all right. So the point is this. You, you look at the seeds. They're not very big. Do you know that the answer to God's, God, the way God answers prayer is he gives you seeds. A lot of us are discouraged and a lot of us are not getting what we're asking God for because we're waiting for the full-blown plant to arrive from a FedEx company somewhere in heaven with a fully-blown plant. This is actually hugely important and serious. Because in your hand you have a little seed, but in a few months it could be a plant this size with tomatoes on it. Now what happens if you are, I mean, what are you asking God for right now? If you want, if you were asking Jesus for something, what would it be? I'm not talking about a new motorbike Hard luck, sorry. Um, you can try if you want. I mean, you can eat it, but you will actually then. No, you will actually just destroy the gift. There are lots of people who eat what God gives them and don't ever get the fruit because they want it now. And so they take hold of it and they just eat it now. And they never see anything grow. Alright, has everybody got a seed? Put your hand up if you haven't got a seed. There are no seedless. Over here there's a few. And Jean's sitting there waiting for a few. Okay, I, I wonder if you're going to lose the seed before the finish, I'm finished. Maybe you've lost it already. This is, this is a treasure. So hold the seed in your hand and thank you very much. Um, Consider what it is that you're asking God for this Christmas season or for the new year. I mean, you might have a prophetic word. You might have something. I'm going to claim that and I'm going to say to you, cool, claim it. What I'm speaking to today is our shared responsibility in walking with God that will determine how that prayer gets answered. So there's a seed here and this is what it is. It's a tomato got instructions on the back. This is very small. You have this, you know this is bigger than a, a mustard seed. This is bigger than a mustard seed and Jesus said, because I stood in Jerusalem at a mustard seed plant and we looked at the seeds and this is about, oh, a couple of hundred mustard seeds. Mustard seeds are sort of black. So Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So he's like the, he didn't put the bar very high when it came to faith for us. Like you don't have to have a lot. 
Some people do, oh, it's my faith. You go, oh, rubbish, it's your attitude. But from in terms of supernatural, you don't need a lot. Now, this is what happens is um, a lot of people do this. Sow into pots or trays using a fineness of moist seed compost covering the seed with now in the original Greek, uh, how many pots do you think there were? Does anybody want to come to my Bible study? We're going to study the packet for three years. And we're going to think about it and pray about it. and Praise God for tomatoes. Oh God, thank you so much for tomatoes. And we're going to sing songs about this. We have slideshows about tomatoes. But when we buy this, we actually understand it's got to be torn open and the seeds have to tumble out because they're here for a purpose. And so we come along and say, this is actually for a seed. So I take a seed and I'm going to plant it, but it's screaming. I don't know if you can hear it. It's going, I want to be back with my family. It's cold out here, so I'm going to put you in there. No, I don't want to go in there. Jesus loves me like this. I have lots of potential. I don't like the color pot. I'm not ready yet. Can we pray about it? Maybe another week. Could I have a, a support group of seeds for my final journey? Do you want to have a look where you go? I'm not going in there. It's dark. It's damp, it's cold, I'm alone. But if you don't go in there, you can't experience that. That looks nothing like what I am. I know. I'm going to pray for God to make me a tomato plant in your hand. Jesus, ask your Holy Spirit to anoint the seed. We bless you for the seed. Let it grow, Lord, let it grow. You want to raise your hands and raise your seeds, brothers and sisters? And let's declare that God is the Lord of all tomatoes and He will do what He will do. For He is a mighty God. Come, Jesus. Anoint these seeds. What's going to happen? Oh, you wise ones. What's going to happen? We're going to get sore arms and we're going to get hoarse and we're going to get tired and next week when it comes, how's the seed going? It's the seed. How long are you going to do this? Well, we don't think you should take things on the back of the pack literally. I mean, we go to a church where they just line the seed parcels up there and hand them out and we hand them back in every week. And we have a nice time. What is it that you're asking God for? Every answer to most, almost every answer to your prayers will be delivered in the form of a seed. And Jesus said, if you abide in me, which is if a seed falls into the ground, pressed in, covered over, nothing will happen unless that happens. I lose control of the seed and I look after that container. That container is me. And so I walk around, I, I don't go... Do you want to come and see my seed? I just planted it five minutes ago. Where is the thing? Let me look, there it is. And every few hours. I just want to be a witness to the seed I planted. Look, look. 
He said, leave it, let it be. So what do you say? Thank you, Jesus, for the seed that's in this pot. We're going to keep it warm. We're going to put it close to light. And we're going to believe that what is in there is going to germinate. Thank you, Jesus, that you have said that I am your delighted, I, I am the delight of your life. I am your son. I'm your much-loved daughter. And that you will provide for my needs. Jesus, I give you my heart and I give you my life. I am terrified that you will not come through. But I'm going to take hold of that word that says you're a provider. And I'm going to believe you for looking after me. And I'm going to nurture that seed of faith about finances. Every day I'm going to thank you that you're going to provide for me. And when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell them. And sometimes it's going to be easy and sometimes it's not. Well, Jesus, I thank you that you have given me a seed of joy. Joy is something I long for, but I don't really know how to have it. So I receive joy and I plant it within me and I ask you to nurture it by your spirit. And Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will see things grow out of you that will astonish you. God so loved the world that an angel came and appeared to Mary and said to Mary, what? Another guest at the breakfast table tomorrow. You're going to be in for a big surprise. He's going to be six foot. He's my son. Call him Jesus. Whoa! No. Mary, you're going to get pregnant. What? Joseph and I are engaged. I know. Joseph's not going to believe this. His parents are going to go mad. We're going to be thrown out of town. This is illegal. Mary, you're going to be pregnant with my son. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I don't understand what you... I know you don't understand. And honey, you'll never will. But watch and see. Yes, Lord. I haven't got a clue. So I was vomiting. I believe that's what happened. God, you make me sick. Yes, I know. You're pregnant with my son. The seed is planted and grows. God so loved the world that he planted his seed in a woman who contained him for nine months and gave birth, fed him at her breast, nurtured him. And the rest is history. The same is true for most of the ways that God works in you and me. And as Mary carried that child within her, and as she went and she visited Elizabeth in five months, and Elizabeth, and womb, you know, John leapt in Elizabeth's womb and he said, it is true. What was he doing? He was building faith in these two women who would carry these two men who would change the world. When you carry the seeds that you're calling out for, and God actually has already given you the cry, so he's just saying, ask me. Whatever it is you want that is good, and, he, he, and you, you're crying out for it, he said, I want you to ask me. And as soon as you ask me, I say, yes. Just like Mary became pregnant, you're pregnant with it. Well, I can't feel anything, I can't see anything, it can't be true, I'm fed up with this. You're pregnant with it. So what I do, just carry on doing what you do and thank me for what's being birthed in you. And in the fullness of time, you will feel and you will know what it is that I am releasing in you. But it might take a month or two months or nine months or a year or two years. And if you don't abide in me, and if you don't gather as a, in a community, that growth will be stunted. Does it make sense? I promise you the things of God are so simple, but so profound. 
Everything in the natural has a supernatural equivalent. So be encouraged because there is more in you than you realize. And you, there is more growing in you than you realize. And the things that you have prayed for, God is working out more than you know. Stop looking with your natural eyes. Allow God's supernatural spirit to encourage you and speak to you. And that's why we need one another. Teach me the language. How does a child learn English? It has parents. And what do they say? Da, 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 da. And you say, oh, he called me by a name. He didn't actually. He just went da, 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 da. But in the playfulness of the uttering of sounds, vocabulary begins to form. And the same is true in the spirit. The same is true with the ways of God. You need one another. Children born in isolation and living in isolation are stunted and crippled in a thousand ways. Spiritually, the same is true. We have to stop doing our own thing and allowing God to actually lead us. There are people who want God to use them and they just carry on doing it their own way. And I could give you illustration after illustration. I could give you illustration in my own life and in some of your lives. The principles are the same. It just never changes. It's, it's just learning how to walk together, grow together, talk together and be shaped together. And it's meant to be fun.